This is the world in brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Rishi Sunak officially became Prime Minister of Britain the third this year after meeting with King Charles III. He promised to unite our country not with words but with action and to fix some mistakes made by Liz Truss, his predecessor and Britain's shortest-serving prime minister. As Mr. Sunak assembles his new cabinet, he has reappointed the chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who reversed most of Miss Truss's disastrous mini-budget. The pound rallied, and the yields on 30-year government bonds fell to levels before plans for unfunded tax cuts rattled markets. Russia redoubled its warnings about Ukraine supposedly preparing to use a dirty bomb, a radiation-dispersing explosive, and said it would raise them before the UN Security Council on Tuesday. Western governments had already denounced Russia's alarm as a pretext for its next escalation. The UN's International Atomic Energy Agency said it would send inspectors to look at two Ukrainian nuclear sites at Ukraine's invitation. The offshore yuan, a freely traded version of China's currency, fell to a record low against the dollar. The yuan proper sank too, reaching its lowest level in 14 years after China's central bank lowered the band at which it is allowed to trade. On Monday, there was a worldwide sell-off of Chinese tech stocks in reaction to President Xi Jinping's tightening grip on power. A Russian court upheld a nine-year jail sentence for Brittany Griner, an American basketball player convicted of drug possession and smuggling. The two-time Olympic gold medalist has been detained since February, when cannabis oil was found in her luggage, which she called an honest mistake. The Biden administration has unsuccessfully pushed for Ms. Griner's release. She is now bound for a distant Russian penal colony. Jamie Dimon, the former boss of J.P. Morgan Chase, said he believes that America and Saudi Arabia will remain allies despite recent tensions. Mr. Dimon is currently in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia's capital, for the Future Investment Initiative Conference. American bankers have flocked to Davos in the desert, but officials from the Biden administration are notably absent amid a continued spat over oil production. HSBC named George L. Hedery as its new chief financial officer, causing speculation that he will eventually replace Noel Quinn, the chief executive. Europe's largest bank also reported a bump in quarterly profits on the back of rising global interest rates. Its net interest income increased by a third to $8.6 billion from July to September, and pre-tax profit at $6.5 billion beat expectations. Opposition groups in Myanmar reported that the army killed at least 50 civilians in airstrikes against a concert-going crowd. The event was being held to celebrate the 62nd anniversary of the Kachin Independence Organization, a separatist group with an armed wing that has backed the broader-based uprising against Myanmar's junta. Survivors said they saw three fighter jets drop bombs. And fact of the day, 90% 
roughly the share of Apple's products currently made in China. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Duplicity in the Desert The Future Investment Initiative, a talk fest for business people, investors, and government leaders, dubbed Davos in the Desert, is running until Thursday in Saudi Arabia, with a theme of Investing in Humanity, Enabling a New Global Order, and session titles like The Humanoid Economy, the event promises the same kind of high-sounding gibberish as its Swiss cousin. It primarily serves to add a glossy sheen to the oil-rich kingdom and help its elite network with global bosses. America has not sent government delegates. They said they didn't want to, while the conference's organizer claimed they were not invited. The two countries recently had a public spat over the kingdom's support of a production cut by the OPEC-plus oil cartel, a move that benefits Russia, a fellow member. Still, bosses of American businesses such as J.P. Morgan Chase and Bridgewater have turned up, eager to cash in on the boom underway in the Gulf. Despite its distasteful record of despotism, the kingdom's riches continue to prove irresistible. Thailand legalizes abortion. As several countries tighten access to abortions, Thailand is doing the opposite, loosening its once restrictive laws to be among the most liberal in Southeast Asia. It has one of the highest rates of teenage pregnancy among middle-income countries and has long waged a losing battle against back-alley procedures. The WHO estimates that the official number of abortions around 30,000 every year, is just a tenth of the real figure. But in 2020, Thailand's constitutional court ruled that banning abortion violated equal rights for men and women as well as the rights to life and liberty. Last year, as a first step, the government legalized procedures performed during the first trimester of pregnancy. From Thursday... Women who are no more than 20 weeks into their pregnancies will be able to seek abortions in 110 public hospitals and clinics across the country after a consultation with a doctor. Rishi Sunak's unflashy start as Prime Minister Rishi Sunak became Britain's Prime Minister on Tuesday after an appointment with King Charles III. It is shaping up to be an unflashy premiership, shorn of the grand ideological visions of his predecessors. Speaking in Downing Street, Mr. Sunak said that his priority would be to restore Britain's stability in the face of a profound economic crisis. He promised to fix the mistakes of his predecessor, Liz Truss, whose mini-budget sparked a sell-off of Britain's debt and currency. His cabinet is stuffed with former ministers, many returning to their previous jobs, including James Cleverly, the foreign secretary, and Suella Braverman, the home secretary. His office wants those appointments to project unity, experience, and continuity. But it also reflects how, after his two predecessors were deposed in quick succession, Mr. Sunak would rather not make powerful enemies by shaking things up.
Deutsche Bank still cannot find its stride. At first, it looked like a reprieve. In April, Deutsche Bank reported its highest quarterly profits in almost a decade after years spent fighting legal scandals and dumping its unwanted assets to cut losses. Yet within 48 hours, police had raided the bank's headquarters in Frankfurt in another money-laundering investigation. On Wednesday, Germany's biggest bank is reporting again. Boosted by rising interest rates, it is expected to register profits for a ninth consecutive quarter. But that has not assuaged investors spooked by the continued legal troubles. Police returned for another raid in May and again last week in connection to a continuing tax fraud case. The bank's share price fluctuates around a fifth lower than one year ago. It has been a bumpy road in other ways, too. In July, the bank ditched its cost-cutting targets, citing the unforeseen costs of the war in Ukraine and its litigation expenses. The past quarter has not felt like a new leaf. The Art of Climate Protest On Sunday, climate activists glued themselves to the Abbey Road crossing in London, made famous by the Beatles. On Monday, four more were arrested for smearing cake on a waxwork of King Charles III at Madame Tussauds. The group, Just Stop Oil, is increasingly using cultural targets to protest against climate change. Their stunts, which also included splattering soup all over Van Gogh's sunflowers at Britain's National Gallery, have sparked furious debate about whether they engage or alienate the public. Polling published in April found that whereas 58% of respondents supported the group's demands, including stopping new licenses being issued for fossil fuel projects in Britain, only 18% supported the group itself. Messing with artwork inconveniences the public less directly than its more conventional past activity, such as blocking roads, but also feels more tangential to climate issues. Undeterred, the group has warned to expect them every day and anywhere. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which Supreme Court justice died in September 2020? Tuesday. Which philosopher wrote the essay The Hedgehog and the Fox? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Simone Weil. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.